Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division of the National Model Railroad Association. The topics and discussions are about the world's greatest hobby, model railroading. Here are your hosts, Thomas Gazier and Ken Zeska. And with me tonight, you guys can say hi. I've got Eric Boone. Hello. Dave Hamilton. Hello. Joe Binish. Hello. And Greg Dahl. Hello. And I'll start out with you, Eric, since you're you seem to have the you just gave the tech clinic on 3D printing. Where do you see 3D printing taking the hobby? Well, you know, from a I think it's gonna open things up a little bit for people because you're starting to see these newer printers that have come out in the last year or less that are able to print, you know, HO scale boxcar sized and, you know, things. And you're seeing, like, I'm in a Facebook group where I'm seeing people share their, their models. And, you know, I've seen a couple of good coal, you know, a couple of coal cars, um, some different, like an ore hopper. People are starting to do locomotives where I really see this is, of course, I see it kind of going in and kind of taking or sharing the niche with resin cast kits, because I think it's from, people make them it's going to be fairly competitive with that in terms of a time and uh, effort to get them made and, and honestly as someone who likes to model a mostly steam railroad with a lot of locomotives that weren't standard because you know a lot of your earlier locomotives they weren't usra design i see this making it feasible to get more and more accurate steam locomotives because you're not going to have to invest in all that injection molding kitting injection molding tooling which is very expensive especially for something like a locomotive if you've ever seen one of the videos from like uh scale trains where they show what goes into some of their models it's like that's not cheap but i think for some of your lower volume things that would never be economical to build a full set of injection molds you just can start 3d printing now i know joe you do a lot of resin kits do you think the cost of a resin kit if you can 3d print any number of these that'll come into play you know based you know based on your time i know eric said your time but time aside would you want to do 3d printing to get the exact car you want or do you still prefer the resin if i could be uh get on the learning curve for 3d printing i'd be very happy to do it and there are a lot of guys that are doing uh 3D printing and then resin casting from that. Yarmouth Models does that a lot. And his uh, Pierre stuff is fabulous. It's it's wonderful to work with. It's well-designed. It looks great. It's easy to assemble. So I, I just see an upside to it. I think it's a great way to go. And like I said, if I could get on the learning curve, I'd be perfectly happy. Oh, yeah. See, I never thought about that, making the 3D print for the master and then speeding up your time and things to casting. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I see that. Very interesting. I, I suppose, unlike Eric, you'd have, you'd have I to want... go. Go ahead. Yeah, the one question I was wondering, because I've not been involved in, in resin kit manufacturing, and firm, I have a few to put together that I haven't put together yet myself. But, you know, what's the mold life and the, and the amount of time that it takes to make a resin kit? Once you, you know, of course, you need to make the masters, and now you have to make a mold. And how many shots, or not shots, how many pours, I guess, do you get out of one mold before you have to make a new mold? With this printer, with this one printer, if, you know, with running three jobs a day with my regular life going on, I can get four cars a day with this one printer. And I'm wondering, you know, if you're going to see a switch in the resin manufacturers that come and say, you know what, with all the hassle, if my mold say only lasts for 10 or 12 cars and I got to make a new mold, uh, is it worthwhile or is it just as fast to just print them? 
But well, that's an interesting because... thought. Usually the, the resin guys say that a mold life is about between 25 and 50 pours, uh, just because the, the resin starts to stick to it and tear detail out and that kind of thing. But yeah, if you can do three or four a day, boy, that's, that's uh, very economical. It might be. And that's kind of where I'm wondering if this will kind of supplant um, some of the resin kits. And of course, yeah. you know, from the box that I've got here in front of me, I've got basically a complete kit, not counting the couplers and the trucks and, you know, the wheel sets with two pieces. You know, I printed the box or the shell with all the ladders and grabs and the roof walk as one piece, basically floor and the under frame as with all the, you know, brake detail. Now, this is one where I just did the frame, but all the brake lines and, uh, and the like as a second piece. So uh, assembly time is other than being very careful when you're removing all the little I guess sprues or supports as they're called, but you can think of them as sprues on a plastic kit where, but there's just a lot of them uh, removing those. It's uh, assembly time is pretty quick. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think there's, you know, besides the learning curve and besides that, and you said like, like steam engines, I've only seen a, a couple applications of that, but I, I even saw somebody was using the Bachman, like their Thomas engines the whole series of four, six, twos and this, and that, because they have the right size drivers. And so they were using that chassis to donate, yeah. to build these, these beautiful Reading steam engines. I'm like, okay, there, there goes, you know, there goes the green engine and there goes this and that, but <laughs> the, the, the driver size was fine. You just have to find the correct donor, whether it be Bachman or Athern or you know someone like exactly. that. And then 3d print shell hey, and tenders. Eric, yeah. can you print a MNCNL282 for me? I've got the drivers. <laughs> <laughs> the, drawings. The, the time-consuming part is making the 3D CAD or the model yeah, in the right, first place. Right and that's that's what's always, I think, the most intimidating for people. And, right. you know, for me, I've been using 3D CAD for 20 years. I guess I'm getting up there more than now. So for me, it, be, it comes pretty natural. Uh, but there's been a lot of advancements in 3D CAD in both ease of use and functionality. Uh, in that time, you know, right now, if I were starting now, I would tell people uh, download for free the Autodesk Fusion 360 Personal Edition. It's got an awful lot of power and awful lot of the features that you want when you're trying to make an accurate, you know, a dimensionally accurate model uh, that some of the others like, you know, some of the others like blenders and SketchUp are more like you grab and pull and you can give things a little dimension, but it's it's hard to work with things. Oh, I need to go correct this. And it's for them, it's all about grabbing and pulling, whereas with uh, like Autodesk Fusion 360 and uh, and more advanced programs like that, it's more about entering the dimensions in and from there. Um, so part of me is wondering, you know, I've only played just tinkered with Autodesk Fusion 360 just a little bit. You know, every CAD package has buttons that are in a little different place, but Almost part of me is thinking maybe when we host Thousand Lakes Region Convention <laughs> next year is to do a training session. The only challenge is it's kind of long. You know, it's not one of those things that would just be a typical one-hour clinic. It's uh, one of those things where you're going to want to spend some time to kind of get comfortable with it. And Greg, what did you say about well, I, my question is, I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, 3D printing and especially, so it's obvious that putting together the design um, is the time-consuming part. So I'm wondering, let's say, let's say a boxcar for somebody who's got some time, you know, who's maybe printed a couple, you know, square shapes and stuff like that. How long does that take to put together a design for something? Eric, what do you think? of you? You've sorry, got experience. I, I, I know how long it takes yeah. for me, but. <laughs> well, I mean, this one to start, I mean, this was my first drawing at a boxcar and 
it's I can only estimate because I started this one many, many years ago for an older printer that I had and it didn't quite pan out. So, I mean, I say in total, I probably spent, say, 150 hours on it. Okay, I've been through that once. I've played with this quite a bit. I mean, there was a lot of experimenting. And now I'm, for example, I'm drawing a caboose next, okay? And I probably have, I don't know, eight to 10 hours into it, maybe, not even quite that much. And I figure it'll probably take me that much longer to finish uh, with it. You know, once you get, say, one or so under your belt, I'm guessing that, you know, Probably 20 hours. So you could design them, maybe Greg's question, with the skills that you have, you could design two a week, you know, a 40-hour work week. You could probably, you know, have a gondola and a caboose going or, you know, something simple like a flat car. And then Joe's 2A2 would would obviously take a little longer. (laughs) That's a bit more. Yeah, definitely. I only need two of them. Only yeah. me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 advantage is, of course, you know, like, okay, I've got this one box car. What's the next box car I'm going to do? Well, it's going to be a variation of this, right. so that's obviously yeah. going to go a lot faster. Because the- there, yeah, there was there was a version of this box car where everything was the same, but it had end doors and it had a different roof. You know, most of it, the underframe, the sides, it's all the same. So well, that's pretty much a resin kit, isn't it, Joe? Because yeah, looking yep. at the brown forty foot box cars, you know, like you model and Dave models. The, the difference is the ends and maybe the rougher. Yeah, and then some of the details, you know, brake, the brake wheel, uh, the door hangers, that kind of stuff. But yeah, what Eric has there, I mean, if that took him, if you could do two of those a week and, and print three or four of them fairly quickly, boy, it doesn't take long to have a really nicely detailed freight car fleet that would be the envy of every, any resin car guy. So let's say someone like, like Dave and I and Greg, we don't have like the 3D printers. Well, we don't have the skill set yet that you have, Eric. If we went out and bought one of these new, you know, printers, do you think people like you and other people who do designs will start selling the design, the CAD program? Yeah, that's what I was thinking Greg was getting to. Can I go buy my MNCNL 2A2 or my Erie Mining Orcar? Do you think I could just buy a program in the future? Or buy or the buy, cat, the model, you mean? Buy that design to plug yeah. into my... A lot of people are already starting to share these, you know, just for free. Like I said, I'm on a Facebook group where people are already sharing their models. A guy made a very nice coal car. Like I said, I think once I get this thing perfected, I'll probably do the same. I'm just, like I said, I'm 95, 98% there. I just have this one little challenge, this warp issue to figure out. And, uh, and I think it'll be ready to go. Um, and a lot of other people are starting to do that. And, and there's stuff like a website called Thingiverse, which is a, right. a site where it's more generic. You find just about anything, but it's a search engine. You can type in, you know, railroad car and you're going to find some. Um, and then that's starting to happen. And yes, there are some sites where you can buy models, you know, fairly inexpensively. And of course, I think Shapeways has been around for right. a while, but that's, you know, Shapeways is expensive uh, to get a print from them. You know, I've heard for smaller detail parts, you're going to spend $23, $24 for, a, and I, I plugged my boxcar in an earlier version of this once. And I think that I wanted for like the fine edition, which is really what you need for the good surface finish. I want to say it was like $50, $60. You know, when I look at that and it's like, okay, this is $10 in resin and the printer, in this case, you know, I've got an $800 printer that was shipping tax and a bottle of resin to get started and everything, you know, kind of bought almost everything you needed that say $40 extra cost. It doesn't take many box cars to pay for the printer. And I think that's what we know from Shapeways is you're paying for the design work. You're paying for the computer work. You're paying. No, Shapeways doesn't. Okay. I suppose you're right. But but you're paying 
because someone else designed, you know, this Missouri Northern Jeep seven rock. Island. You know that I, I, I get that about yeah. the 3d print, but that's places. not very much. Most of it goes to Shapeways. Right. And when I, right. when I but said this, this is $50, this is just Shapeways. And I could right. in theory set up a store and tack on a couple bucks, yeah. you know, but so do you guys see that, this changing layout design though? Like Dave, is there something that you would have changed about your layout if you knew you could get CBQ specific items or all the interchange roads or do you, you guys know, think I, layouts are kind of generic and this will just add to it? I don't think it would have changed anything that I did. I mean, I, I never even drew a track plan. I just started building. So that might just be because I've got a more old fashioned way of thinking, you know, and at least with the being real specific, there's enough Burlington stuff out there between existing resin kits and ready to run stuff that, you know, I've never felt that there was a, a lack of things. I'd look at it more for the things like different kinds of figures or vehicles, things like utility trailers or animals, even, you know, for the railroad. So I, I could see that I could see that I've always been wanting to buy some of that mini print stuff. Cause I keep getting ads, but you know, I could see it from the detail point of view of wanting some of the stuff that's available because of the fancier, you know, these resin printers. But I got a question anyway, like I always thought, because I'm just really getting into the resin stuff, I always thought part of the magic of building these kits was putting on things like ladders and brake lines and brake wheels and cute little chains that, you know, hook everything up, you know, and the stirrups and whatnot. And I noticed that the, the box car that Eric printed has the ladders on it and the, the brake parts are all on the chassis. So I would assume that it would be easy enough to, to have a drawing that didn't have those parts so that a guy could add those parts just to get the extra pop you get from having those parts added on. That's right. You could do it that way, right, Eric, if oh, you wanted absolutely. to? I mean, absolutely. With my earlier printer that I had, I had to try to do that because it just wasn't capable of printing the ladders and some of the smaller details. Um, okay. Now they are. So for me, I look at, hey, I'm at some point here, once I get this perfected, I'm going to print 50 of these and I'm going to be assembly line, you know, putting them together at some point here. And I'd look for me, it's like, hey, great. I get 50 cars that are exactly what I want relatively quickly. But I think like Greg modeling all the grain hoppers, you know, that are going to the over large brewery to 3D print the correct hoppers that aren't available, but to add etched metal roof walks and etched yeah. metal walkways and the coupler lift bars, that would be kind of fun. You know, if like, here's the basic, right. go at it. It's kind of like the diesel shells that are out there that are the resins, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, even for this one, I didn't add the stirrups because they're fragile. You know, a plastic kit, even the plastic ones break off. So I was going to get some metal of those. And then this one has a, a vertical brake staff, with, you know, uh, like the horizontal wheel. So because that sticks up, I, I do need to make that out of wire. Be too likely to get broken. So there's a few things and you can play that trade off, of course. So you don't think, you know, someone may be deciding on a layout and is like, well, I want to model St. Paul but I can't get the Robert street lift. And now there's kind of a way to do it where if, you know, they said, I'm not going to model that or a certain car ferry. This is what I want to model. But now with 3d printing available to them, they'll change their layout design to fit that. Do you think that'll happen in the future with this technology? Bob Sterner. I, I could see that. Go ahead, Joe. Um, he was modeling the seventh street area, <clears throat> Sioux line and put up a generic railing on his bridge and was not happy with it. Designed one, had shape, Shapeways print it, 
and it was the exact railing that they wanted. And you looked at a picture of his layout and you looked at a picture of this, of the prototype and it was spot on. It was excellent. And that kind of, you know, he says, well, now that I've got that, now I'm kind of jazzed to, to move along to do the rest of this stuff. And he printed a whole, had a whole bunch of things designed and printed that really added to his layout and made it, you know, more prototypical or whatever to, to operate. Yeah. I don't know if I see it necessarily changing layout designs, but I certainly see it allowing us to be more accurate or, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I would just settle and, you know, I would compromise a little bit. I, you know, use some stand-ins or if I had to, whereas with a 3d printer, now I can make it exactly, you know, what it was. And I think too, like what Bob Sterner did, he built at, at Fremo, he brought a beautiful Sioux line Laker train and it was all these brass sides. And I think before that, building a Laker or building a certain Zephyr or these Emmons St. L. Doodlebugs, you had to compromise. Like Eric said, you had to do a stand-in. Now you don't have to do that anymore. You can find a design or work on yours to get that. So that might change. Instead of modern era Sioux line that I got all SD40s, let me go back now and I can have those passenger cars and those home-built Sioux line Crate Northern box. I don't know if that would, if this will help change the layout, but I just, I don't know if that'll go. It would sure make a lot of stuff easier to accomplish if you could get I, special parts like that. So I, I do see it where, you know, if someone is a little too afraid to like scratch build, if there's like, they're running a line, let's say a, a branch line or something that had a, a unique locomotive that you can't get. And he's like, well, I don't want to model that branch line because I can't get that particular locomotive, that's an area where I you know, would see someone say, hey, great, now I can get that locomotive or I can make that locomotive easily. Now I can model this branch line that I wanted to do because I, I didn't really feel like scratch building that locomotive the more traditional way. So there's, there's some potential, although I think that's probably more of an exception than a rule. And I think Greg, like, so you're modeling that auto plant and I, I'm going back to the vans that we've been trying to cast and seeing the size of the print that like Eric could make, you could almost make, you know, six to eight HO scale vans and fill up your parking lot, if not fill up your auto rack. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I've been thinking about since I model the mid eighties until Rapido made their announcement earlier, you know, this week, <laughs> nobody makes cars well there's very few cars in the 80s i mean you can you can get 50 different lamborghinis but i can't get a volare you know yeah. it's just oh, there's a reason for that <laughs> the k car yeah. oh the volare that the that volare. brings back memories my yeah, parents had one of those <laughs> yeah, my brother when ate too many pancakes and puked in the yeah, back and it never smelled the one. same yeah. <laughs> the volare. but yeah greg so yeah you were saying there's no 80s on Right. You know, but well, you shouldn't say that because there are some, you know, like maintenance of way trucks and Ford F-150s from the from the 90s and from 2000. But there does seem to be this from about 75 to about 90 this gap of, of auto. So when I look at 3D printing, I always think, like, boy, I wish somebody would just design the car. And, you know, if you go out to Shapeways or, and stuff, you can find it. But then I start looking at HO cars like, OK, this is an HO car and it's what, $30 for yeah. it. Yeah. It's just I mean, like Greg, you know, if you had the model for that, I'm just kind of looking for thinking H. I bet you I could probably print, I don't know, maybe 25 of them or so all at once. <laughs> and uh, and it would probably take like it because they're so small, you know, they're they're short. That's probably like a, an a hour and a half 
two hours maybe at the very With the most tires but, on them greg not like the ones i can yeah and then you know you're probably talking like a dime of resin or a couple pen you know a couple yeah. dimes worth of resin each i mean and then joe can paint them right joe yeah there we go <laughs> prototypical colors i'm not but yeah i think on, but that might change you know look at your your layout though greg that's it's not going to change the design but it'll change the look you know something yeah. like that wouldn't it or yeah, you could have now and all of a sudden you have a, a real auto mixing yard. Right? You could model that where it's like, here's all the finish. This is where all my buy level auto rack. So one of the websites that I brought up um, during the presentation last week, there's a website called yegi.com. It's Y-E-G-I.com. And it is essentially a 3D model search engine. And Ooh. I was there with one of the other guys saying, hey, does someone have a model of a Studebaker Kaiser, you know, and um, <laughs> a specific year? So we just typed it in. And yeah, there was a few models. It wasn't that year he was looking for. And there are a few other Studebakers where people have made models of cars. So just like, for example, go to that website, type in, you know, what model or car you're looking for, see what comes up. And oftentimes it's free or very inexpensive. I, one guy said 250 figures, you know, models of people. It was like $12 and it was oh, a thing. So, you, yeah. I mean, and that amount of resin to print a little figure, I mean, you're probably, yeah. you're talking pennies um, if you have the printer already. So if you're looking for something that's different and you don't mind painting your own figures, I mean, from some ways, in some ways it's going to change things in that because some of the stuff you'd pay a lot more for if you have the resin printer already, well, why pay a bunch of money for, for, uh, expensive figures when I can just print them for, you know, pennies. Each. So now you just burned up two and a half of all of our hours. So we're going to go to that site and get lost. In <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. Yeah. There's not, <laughs> there's not, there's not everything there, but there's a lot there. We're, there's a rabbit hole for us to go down. Now, do you think now with the availability, there's so much available in HO scale. Do you think this might make someone change a scale? Cause now I can get the things that I want in N or S, whereas Ken's not here today. <laughs> but I, you know, it's, it is interesting that what was verboten or you couldn't get before, now you can with. So that might affect. It's, it's almost scale free. I mean, it's depending on how someone made their model and you just, you can just, you can scale it up right in the 3D printer programs. You don't even have to have a CAD program for that. The only thing is you have to be careful of is like in case in my model, I've got this so ladders and, and grab irons and roof walk separate. If I were to scale that down to end scale, it probably wouldn't print. I'd have to take, probably strip that stuff off or kind of integrate it in like you would get if the grab irons were literally molded right into the body. You don't go that yeah. route for end scale. S scale, yeah, it probably is a matter of I could scale it up. I'd have to tilt it up a little more. But a 40-foot boxcar in S scale, if I took this model, scaled it up, it'd probably work. So did the, you tilt it? Do you, yeah, do you tilt them now? Oh, yes, a little bit just because of how resin printers print. I guess the best way to describe it and trying to do this verbally is it's printing a layer that's about the thickness of a piece of paper at a time. So mm -hmm. imagine as a simple example, I am printing a building, just a building with four walls and a window. Okay. As I'm working my way up each layer, it's going to do just fine. Okay. It's going to hit the bottom of the you know, window. It's doing just fine, just fine. Now, when it reaches the top of the window and it has to print that first thin layer that represents the top of the window, depending uh -oh. on how long it is, you're going to have a very thin layer of resin and the mechanism and the motion printing process is very likely to break that. By tilting your model, now you're never printing that long, skinny, thin, horizontal first layer 
uh, you're just printing a little bit at a time and you know the mm-hmm. previous layer before that's already cured supports it. So that's why you generally always see people tilt their models. Of course, the trade-off is for this box car that I printed, I was trying to keep as minimize the supports, you know, the little sprues on any cosmetic surfaces. So I only tilted a little bit. Obviously, the the ideal orientation is if this was a dice, stand it up on one point from a mm-hmm. purely supporting one layer supporting the next. That's the ideal orientation. You tend to get the best surface finish. But now I've got supports basically on three out of my six surfaces. And depending on what's cosmetic and what's not, that may be more to clean up. So another thing too is like, I'm. this is like every other technology, VCR on up. In the next five years, I'm sure the price of these machines will still keep going down as the quality improves. And I suppose the size of the bed will get a little bigger. Two things. Yeah. So do you see do you see metal prints coming up in you guys? And also, I, I think the software has to get simpler for, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus, for people like me. And I know there's some apps because I talked to the guy from Mini Prints and he says, all of us have a scanning device basically in our phone. There's an app because he was scanning just people in the office mm-hmm. and then printing out, we could have a little mini Joe and a Dave and a Greg. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Everybody should have Joe Binish on their layout to throw <laughs> under the bus. But I mean, w- would that interest any of you guys, if you had your phone and you could go scan, you know, whatever a CB&Q depot or depot sign or sure. something, take it home. And that way we don't have to go to the Dunwoody Institute and get a three-year CAD well, I think that's the next plateau, right? If, if you can take your phone and zap it, import it into whatever program and tweak it a little bit and print it and have something viable, that is the, is the next plateau, I think. Yeah, and we're, we're kind of at the very early stages of that. I actually, you know, that app that he was talking about is for the Apple, and I downloaded a similar app for my Android phone. And I just thought, okay, let me go. I was going to go play around and photograph my daughter and just see how it came out. And honestly, I mean, it didn't come out that great. Um, so what you're seeing is I've done, done a little looking into this is you're seeing guys make these booths where they're using like raspberry pies with their camp built, you know, with a camera attachment and building like a, a frame, like a, a chamber that you step in with maybe like 40 or 50 of these things all set up. So it can take 40 or 50 pictures all at once. And now you're starting to you know, the software is kind of there, but you just need a ton of pictures and you need good lighting. With the phones, it, it, for me at least, it wasn't quite there, but it's it's getting there. Now, an object like a boxcar, well, or a, a larger freight car, the challenge is going to be, you know, being able to step back and get pictures from a, you know, that can be patched together. Think of, you know, if you take a bunch of pictures for a backdrop and patch them all together, like a, it's almost like a panorama to patch them all together into something that it can model. So like getting the underside might be difficult. It's, but it's, it's going to get there. It's going to get there eventually. Right now it's, you know, scanners, the the small ones, there's small ones where it has like a little turntable and a picture and it rotates it around and takes things. It could do smaller objects. You know, it could do like an HO scale box car size, I think fairly easy. And, and the expensive of those I've seen are around $500 right now, which isn't bad. Uh, I've seen a handheld one for about that same price. Uh, you kind of designed to be a scanner. It's getting there. It, it will. I think you're still going to need something to go in and clean things up a little bit to, you know, make it just right. But it's it's getting there. I wouldn't no, be surprised like, in five to 10 years. It is. Like, like for Dave, you know, if he went into a museum and there's, or 
there's a CB and Q steam engine scan, right. the correct headlight, the correct bell or the correct sand dome. Or for Greg, we could scan, you know, certain rock Island, you know, logos or cars or something unique. I think that's going to be the leap is when you can put the software down to an app level for people like me <laughs> that I could 3d, you know, walk around an object, my phone, and then render that and send that to the printer. That's what's going to change. Well, just the price on this stuff, the right. printers themselves has come down immensely. You know, the, right. the printer that I previously had, this was, I bought like, I think seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, and it didn't quite do as well as this. That was $3,000, that printer. And now you're seeing, you know, this printer that I have now is actually has a little big, bigger bed, but a comparable printer with about the same print volume that I had before is you know a couple hundred dollars you know like the photon s it's and maybe maybe that was in between but you know so i'd say roughly if they, yeah. someone made that in between size which is you're probably talking about five hundred dollars compared to three thousand and that's just in the last say seven years where this has come down in price and the quality of the prints are are much better so if it continues at this pace. Yeah. yeah. Well, ask Dave Hamilton and I how, how much a laser disc used to cost in the days. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember Radio Shack computers in the early 80s that were two or 3,000 bucks so you could play Pac-Man or whatever. Yeah, didn't even have one <laughs> megabyte of Oregon RAM. Trail. <laughs> yeah. The Commodore Greg, 64. What, what did that big 12-inch disc, Greg? What do those cost yeah. each? <laughs> So I remember, yeah, this the stereo VCR, not just a regular VCR, but a stereo one. Was Whoa, like, big spender! Out of college, about five hundred bucks back in those. Yeah, I I think that's the whole. For me, it's the technology, the machine purchasing. You know, it will be out there. I'd, I'd take recommendations from Eric and five other guys, and I wouldn't know what to do with it. It's the same with the laser cutter. The, sometimes the my Cricut cutter is more than what I can. Hear. Do you guys ever think they'll get to be printing in metal? 3D prints? It already exists, obviously. Um, I've used it for work quite a bit. However, right. you know, a tiny little part, you know, is going to be a couple hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. And the printers right now are, you know, say 50,000. I don't remember exactly, but they're like $50,000. You're starting to see the, you know, the average, hey, we're starting to get more affordable. Well, you look into it, it's, and I don't remember the exact price, but it was tens of thousands of dollars. Kind of like these printers that we have now were, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I think it'll get there. I think what you're paying for there is you need a much more powerful laser to be able to melt the metal powder um, than say, you know, your typical, like a hobbyist laser uh, cutter will only cut wood and plastic because it can't cut metal. It's not powerful enough. So, but so again, we're getting, to, we're getting to the point where the laser would actually work to get people out of the left lane as you drive along. <laughs> Yeah, That's what I'm for. melt their tires you, and then go you just want out. a shark with laser beach. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Some friggin' sharks with lasers. lasers. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I appreciate the uh, show of support. So, do you, I also think, do you think more companies will crop up like uh, mini prints? You know, they, I bought from Absolutely. mini prints and they're, they're beautiful things. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, there, and I know there's a place in England that. And Joe's probably noticed that on the um, prototype groups IO site, there was just a little thread about um, a guy that lives in Germany and some other people, I think, that were overseas and a few people here that got together to get certain figures from one of these 3D printing outfits that's in Europe that they make incredibly realistic figures. And I don't know if it was 
spelled like M-U-N-N-O, or you saw that, didn't you, Joe? I did. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I, so I looked at the the site, and they have all kinds of stuff. Most of it's pretty modern, you know, right. people. So not appropriate for what I want. But boy, the detail and the it's the age old problem. Do you want your figures to look like they're moving, or do you want them to be kind of generic standing there? But nevertheless, they were really innovative and inventive things. Oh yeah. So it's it just makes sense that. You know, there's already a couple companies in the like mini prints or mini print, whatever it's called. And yeah, I'll bet you even by the end of this year, you're going to see a few more of them popping up. It has yep. that has to happen. Well, you're seeing um, one of the things I found is, again, the guy that took and made the Raspberry Pi kind of chamber so he could take a picture all at once and scan his family. He's actually offering those commercially. And I want to say that, but still 20 grand. Now think about someone who wants to make a business out of that. Hey, you need a guy that's doing, you know, holding his arm up in the air and waving a flag, or you need a guy that's climbing a ladder in this specific way. Hey, Bob, go stand over there like this. We'll quick take a picture and and print it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or, you know, come into a scanning place. Yeah. Well, there's a place like that in all of America. Yeah. And go to a file. Or even, you know, like I said, different layouts. You could dress like in the old West, you know, or have somebody dressed in the, you know, in the fifties for Joe's Joe's and sixties Dave's, <laughs> you know, eight eighties for Greg, everybody's wearing Walkman's or something. Or the nineteen seventies, you get the guy all pimped out with yeah. fish in his shoes. Fish in his there you go. That then guy. he's gotta have a mullet too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hockey there, those printers won't print mullets. Oh. <laughs> Is there a rule? How about a Mohawk? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So I model the late 60s, so I just need yeah, a bunch you... of railroaders drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you can you print little bottles for him, Eric? <laughs> yeah, I think they'd show up and kind of look like a bottle. <laughs> I mean, they're still pretty small, but yeah. Yep. See, I wonder if, you know, like you said, the 3D print for the casting, even like Greg, you build a lot of downtown deco uh, buildings, which he, those are all cast. And I wonder if someone like Randy could three, you know, one of his handmade sculptures that he makes with a little brickwork could then scan that and make a 3D print that would last longer. I don't you know. know. One thing, as we've been talking, though, I've been thinking about, I mean, people, and I don't want, I can't for him, but I, even for myself, I'm, I'm wondering, it's like, how long, you know, you said, let's say I wanted to do a you know, one of the things I'm looking for is a C415 for the Rock Island, right? To do something like that and to get proficient at the software, it's going to take me, let's say, 300 hours to finally put something. And even then, it's probably going to be my first attempt, right? But the, and I and I started thinking, it's like, okay, I could spend 300 hours in front of my computer, or I could look at kit bashing from styrene and put something together. And and I just wonder, are there or and I'm sure there are. There's going to be modelers that just will not accept. I I, I don't I don't want to have no interest in 3D printing. I think it's stupid. Oh, well, kids today don't understand what a real hobby and stuff like that. But I, I think there's some you know joy in modeling too, right? You know, Eric talked yeah. earlier about you know leaving the ladders and the brake wheel and everything off, and then adding that yourself later, right? And, and I think there's some joy or satisfaction. I'm kind well, of. I think, I think that's that some of the joy and satisfaction point. is doing the design work for some for folks, right? So it's it's a different kind of modeling. Oh yeah, for me definitely. I mean, the fact that I was I'm just excited, ecstatic. I was able to draw those and get them to print. I think for me that's that's woohoo, you know. So and, and to deep, be fair, now each Eric, own. Eric, you don't have a layout, right? Right now. 
only my garden layout. Your garden so layout. There we I'm go. trying to get started on my own layout in the basement here, but yeah. there's so many things going on right. in my life. And that's why I think this works for you where Dave and Greg and Joe and I are like, Greg just hit it on the head to join modeling 300 hours away from my layout. Yeah. It would, would be kind of brutal that if, you know, if I spent 300 hours on my layout, then things might run that. But uh, <laughs> that's a whole other, no. that's another podcast. Yeah, um, no, I, I would add though, if, you know, for me example, I'm going to have several consolidations. There are going to be some variations of a consolidation. There's no kit for any of them. Okay. So for me, it's going to be like, well, I need say several of the, you know, let's say I need two because consolidations pretty common looking. Let's say I need two dozen of them for my layout. Okay, and I'm and there's say four, or six different, you know, four different classes. So on average, six per. The model for the first one, yep, it's going to take me probably depending on how I start, whether I'm, you know, using a sacrificial other model or I'm doing it entirely from scratch. You may be right, you know, the 200, 300 hours, I, I could definitely see that. But now the variations off of that are going to come much faster, and now I'm going to have this unique fleet. So it does come to a matter of scale. If I was only ever going to build one. There's no way. It just does not make any sense to go through all the CAD work um, unless I was just had to have it that way. It doesn't make any sense other than if you enjoy it to go that route. It does make sense to do it the more traditional way. Um, maybe you just you know keep some of the do some of the basic shapes you can draw fast like the boiler and stuff, and you go put the jackets and the rivets and all that kind of stuff on the traditional way. So there's that balance, that trade-off between time. How many how many of them are you going to end up printing? How much time do you think it would take? the traditional way versus this way. Do I just do some detail parts with the printer? Cause I just draw those up. I think like the sand dome is getting that shape just right. It might be easier to do it with the printer. It may be a blend, you know, it's going to end up being a blend too. I think it, for some modelers. What, what I'm hoping for is that there's going to be one person that says, I want a C415 and is going to design it. And then he'll sell me the plan. You know, I'll pay 20 <laughs> bucks, you know, for, for the CAD yeah. design and then print it. And, I, and I'm wondering if there should end up being this huge market where instead of like shapeways where they're printing it, all we're, all we're doing is trading designs. You know, I'll give you 20 bucks for that design and my, 300, happen. Hours, yeah, my 300 hours is well spent. If I can sell, you know, if I can sell 50 of them for 30, 40, 50 bucks a design. Mm -hmm. yep. just, uh, so Greg Pacific Northwest resins was making the resin for that C415, but yes. now they're going to, they're going to stop doing resin stuff and go to 3d printing the guy's on vacation for a little while now and then that's the next iteration of this company is 3d printing everything so that nw5 i just made i think was probably the last one he ever cast and and now it's going to be a printed one yeah i, I saw those resin kits for those come off came yeah. off to pulling the one he must have made the decision it's going to be more efficient now to print than to cast right. and make molds and remake molds and, and that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, with, with I, so casting, it's starting to happen. Once, once you have the master, unless you trash the master, you can make as many molds as you want. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think by the time I built my C415, because Greg and I were looking at the same one, then Bowser's going to announce theirs with sound and lights. So, <laughs> Lots of lights. Lots and lots of lights. Ask Bill. Bill, exactly. Bill would, the victim of the SDL 39. Exactly. Yeah. But I no. think like that's interesting, the scale, Eric, because I think Shapeways was kind of founded the same way that you guys know Rick's models, right? Right. Like, founded by Rick's right out. And he wanted certain buildings for his layout. And he says, well, as long as I'm making these, I might as well make a hundred and package them. Yep. And I think that's a lot of guys on Shapeways wanted 
I want an Illinois central caboose with this and this on there. And I 3D printed it. Well, I'll throw my design on Shapeways and whoever wants one can pay them out and give me five bucks. Now it's going to be just throw it on the webpage. Here's five bucks for the model. And then, you know, I'll print it myself. Thank you. Can cut Shapeways and their their markup out of the equation. (laughs) Well, that too. And I I just wonder who would see the next step. And and Dan Dose and I used to talk about that is if I, you know, I, hey, Eric, I'm going to pay you $10 for your Pyramarquette boxcar. I'm going to put it in my printer and then I'm going to sell those boxcars. I'm going to print them, paint them and sell them. And who has the rights to that? Well, <laughs> that's one of those things where it's going to be kind of up to, you know, like there's software licenses, general open use. You could say you can buy this and print it for your own personal use, but you may not print to sell. I mean, it's it's going to vary. Now, of course. And everyone enforce- obeys that, right, Greg? That's just- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enforcing that is is hard. So if you think I'm going to put my model out there, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Someone could buy the model and then they go post it somewhere else and anybody could get it. That can happen. Yeah. Um, yep. But and it probably will. But what are you going to do? It's, uh, it, that, that's, I guess, the one thing if I wanted to or if I wanted to use this as, you know, the 3D printing as a money making operation, I wouldn't post it out there because, you know, once you post it out there once that can happen. Um, but if it but it's more of just for, hey, here it is, you know, everybody go to town, you know, no problem. Now, one thing, guys, when it comes to CAD kind of things, if you wanted to draw something simple, let's say during the meeting, I decided to pull up and I said, okay, I'm just going to draw a little switchman shanty. Okay. And I didn't want to bore everybody that long. And I didn't get quite all the detail. I didn't put the door in yet. None of it takes that long, but yeah, I just showed people, Hey, in 10 minutes, I just drew this shanty in CAD. Yeah. The first time, if I'm doing it, it might take me 30 minutes instead of 10, if I was new to CAD, but this is a simple enough object. So if you're drawing things like buildings, small buildings, or detail parts, they don't take that long. Don't be afraid. The only reason like this boxcar took so long to draw is because there are 1,400 features in it. Now, a lot of them are patterns, you know, take advantage of that. But there are just, if you look at a boxcar or anything complicated, there's an awful lot of detail in there. So you're Um, saying you actually counted the rivet. Well, no, (laughs) (laughs) I I had to, to make the patterns right, but I'm just... I get a there in 3D modeling and a CAD type thing. There's a feature list, and it and I, every time it regenerates, I see it go up to 1,400 and something. One more so. rivet. I knew I liked this guy, Tom. Yeah, yeah, he's your kind of guy, Joe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, I like that. The joy in modeling, you know, like I said, I I think there's a blend. What Greg said and what Dave really hit on is, I would like the basics of the car. And then I want to add the other things on there to kind of give you the feel of modeling. It's the old Betty Crocker used to sell you the cake mix. And all these people were saying, I don't feel like I'm baking. All right, take the cake mix and add an egg and a cup of water. Now I'm baking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm still painting and decaling and doing all that other de- stuff. That's so. true. That is yeah. true. And the weathering. Anyone got anything else to say about 3D printing? A good, bad, indifferent? I, I think there's a lot of potential and it's going to be fun just to see exactly where it goes and what's going to become available to us, you know? And I think that, again, you go back to just the detail parts that you can come up with. Like you could, you could put an interior in a service station because you, you could get a little HO scale lift or, or who knows what, a pit for the old days when they actually, you know, you drove over a hole in the ground, changed your oil or or like if you wanted to do more shadow boxes. I mean, I've been using these roomette deals, but imagine if you could get 
stuff that looked like it belonged inside of a warehouse. So you can make like a little shadow box loading dock. I mean, and you certainly can now. You can find a barrel someplace and you can make a bench or whatever, but there's more stuff that could end up being printed off like that. Maybe, maybe it's a matter of looking at Shapeways or one of these other sites. Maybe there's more stuff out there now than we even know about. Oh yeah. You know, and and some of it doesn't have to be era specific, like a 1981 Impala or whatever, but it's going to be interesting to see where it ends up, quite frankly. Although I must say, I'm also fascinated by the idea of having a hundred HO characters of me, you know, <laughs> and just having them all over the railroad. I, all at the bar. Well, yeah. that, could, that could be too, you know, I mean, it's, so it's, I think it's, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. The old so, Dave Railroad. Joe, right. what do you think? I think that it's kind of like when DCC came out and I bought my first set in or my first Digitrax system in 1999. It was like, wow, this is going to be really interesting to see. And it really has it's kind of revolutionized the hobbies. And there are still guys who work with DC and it works great for them. But for operations and for realism, I think it's come a long ways. And so I think this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Greg, you're going to 3D print some. Uh, Ford Motors now to put in those box cars or what? Well, I, I what I heard Eric say is if I can get the designs, he'll he'll, he'll print out. I need about four hundred vans. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, I don't think it'd take that long because um, okay. they're small. Absolutely, you know, if you get the model, if you have a good model, it won't take long. Uh, but um, no, I, I think it, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a, a lot of stuff I, I think layouts will have more accurate stuff on them now. you know now it's no longer am i going to be satisfied with a generic mace of way shed right because that's the one problem with like walter's kits i mean i do a lot of buildings and i look at somebody's layout and they go it, it does not matter what it's been named and i can even tell when somebody's kit bash oh you know that that's the medusa cement factory i've seen that <laughs> 400 times on every single layout and now that you're going to end up not seeing that right I've got the cement factory from Milwaukee, you know, in 1974, and that's that's what's sitting there. Well, eventually, a Medusa Cement is one of the m- industries on my eventual layout. I there hope to build. Go. So, <laughs> the, the Red Wing Milling Company there. Yeah. and gruesome caskets. So. <laughs> well, now, you wanted to, you know, briefly for laser cutting. You know, when you come to these larger industrial type buildings where things are repetitive and you've got long, big, flat surfaces, that's where the laser cutting comes into play. You know, you can go ahead and draw something that's very repetitive like that. It's much easier to draw, you know, because you're talking about very boxy shapes. And you just got to turn it into a print. Like, you know, Tom, if you can do something on the cricket and draw yeah. something for the cricket, you can draw something for the laser cutter. Right. Um, and and go fairly fairly quickly with that. I There's think that your brewery curve, sides, Greg, right there. Yeah, that, that is go. a much easier learning curve than the you know something right. like a box car. So, and I I think you hit the nail on the head with the uh, the clinic that this somebody coming into this it would not be an hours clinic. It would be like more of a modeling with the masters. We're gonna spend a day on CAD and transferring it, the file to here and creating a thing and how to set up the printer, that that would be what you kind of did on Saturday, you know, with the division of if someone went to a convention, they're going to spend all day with someone like you or two or three others and have access to a couple machines 
and access like Greg to powerful computers and, and people who are going to show you here's designs, here's what to look for in, you know, for flaws. And here's what you can do, you know, better and do this just to, like you said, we're going to make a shanty yeah. out of nothing, you know? And, and that's one of those things, honestly, is, is the more and more I go into this, the question is, well, what about the model? People come up to me with like the yeah. drawings of this box or whatever from the book. It's like, well, you got to turn it into a 3D model, and that's the time-consuming part, um, and that's the part that you know takes skill. But that's where I, I am really, you know, I, I've been thinking about this <laughs> the last few days since Saturday, especially as you know, maybe to really help people get over the curve is maybe that's something I'll do. Say, like I was just thinking at the Thousand Lakes uh, convention next year, or maybe although that's going to take a lot of time out of the conventions, right. but yeah. maybe at some other time for fellow modelers to say, hey, if you got a laptop, download Autodesk Fusion 360, make sure you can do that and make sure it can run and then come. And yeah. we're going to spend a day and we're going to go through and model some things. And I'm going to, you know, I'd have to kind of set up a training class and figure out exactly how I'm going to do it. Cause I would want to, you know, so, so many examples, like with, you see examples of how to do stuff, they've got it all figured out. So it's flawless. It works perfectly every time, yeah. but that's not the real world. I mean, no. even when I was drawing the little shanty, I was mirroring some stuff around. Oh, crash. That's not working right. Oh, yeah, I know why. So almost intentionally create things that are now do this. Hey, Kuwait, that yeah. didn't work. What's going on? Why? So people understand, you know, some of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'd, and, you'd have to run it. that through and then test it and check on comprehension. But that, you know, like modeling with the masters is an all day thing, too. But the experience you get of working with someone like that. And like you just said, what Dave Hamilton just did, you're taking a drawing and making it into a 3D object like Dave just did with all those scratch-built cars. He went at it a different way like I did and Joe does and Greg does. But you have to get this drawing, you know, from your head into the machine. I think it's quite interesting. But I still I still think it's joy in modeling. Like, like Joe said, it's joy in at the computer. It's joy in versus the layout time. And I see nothing but everything going better. The machine's becoming better less costly. And then I, like I said, I just hope the technology comes down for average Joes like me, or I can get a day of modeling with someone like, all right, guys. Well, thanks. Thanks for your chat this time. We shall talk next time. Would you guys, everybody say good night. All right, Gracie. Later. All right. See everybody. listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division. You can find us on Facebook in our group, the Twin Cities Division of the NMRA. You can email us at tcdnmra at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe for future podcasts.